Our scripture text for today does not come from the book of Exodus, but from the book of Matthew. And if you read your bulletin, the preacher today is not Brian Tank, but Micah Tank. Um, sometimes things happen between the Tuesday creation of the bulletin and the Sunday worship service. So this morning, our text is from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Let us hear God's word. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up. He said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. What is your earliest memory of church? One of mine is being carted around with my father to all these little Colombian churches. He'd play the guitar and I was his portable choir, singing with him as we led small churches in worship. The Colombians loved having me, but I think more than my singing voice, it was the novelty of the pale skin with freckles and the bright red hair. I remember telling my dad when I was young that I wanted to follow Jesus. And he joined me on my pink satin bedspread and asked me if I truly understood what that meant. And my six-year-old confident self said that I did. I totally understood what that meant. And so we prayed together and I invited Jesus into my heart. I have a lot of memories in church from every stage of life. My family sitting in the balcony peering over the rails every time there was a baptism. My mother tugging my brother from the floor back to his seat by the ear. Playing in what we had also, a creepy church basement. Memories that tug at something in me. They call me back to the joy of being a child, the wonder of the world, of simpler times. And memories like those, they pull people back into church around holidays, Christmas and Easter especially. Memories of being with family, singing the songs, lighting the candle to welcome the baby Jesus, or making those Easter declarations and then hopefully eating copious amounts of delicious food. It's the power of traditions. Just living in the present, it's easy to forget how much of life we've lived, how much we've seen and done and been through. These traditions, they help us stay connected to our past. Seasons come and we remember. We sing the song and we remember that special prayer or that place and it all comes rushing back. 
It's why in my house we like to pull out photo albums and slowly flip through them. Do you remember when we went there? Can you believe we did that? And that man with the hat, who was he? See, it's the power of tradition. It's what roots us to our past, how it draws us to remember where we've been, where we come from, who we've been with. It grounds us. But it can bring a danger, too, a danger in nostalgia. There is something beautiful in someone wearing their grandmother's wedding dress. It connects them to their past and their heritage. And there is something powerful about doing Christmas supper the same way every year, repeating it year after year. But if all anyone remembers about the wedding is how she wore grandma's dress, how beautiful grandma's dress was, how proud grandma must be, how sad for the young bride. It's her wedding, not grandma's. If the nostalgia is allowed to overwhelm the present, people are so distracted by what was that they miss the bride's glowing face and the groom's joy. The new thing is lost as we try to live in the past. And if Christmas supper can't adapt to the gluten-free son-in-law or the grandchildren's early bedtime, the tradition overwhelms the present and new opportunities for joy are lost. In this story of the transfiguration, Peter usually gets a pretty bad rap. He gets a bad rap because he tries to build these shelters on the mountain when this incredible thing happens. But Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter. Here's Jesus talking to Elijah and Moses, and he's shining in clothes of white. And Peter knows this is a big deal. This is important. And he thinks to himself, we should stay here. It's not a wrong reaction. Way back in the Old Testament, when God's people were traveling, they'd follow God's presence in the column of fire and the smoke. And when it stopped, they would set up camp. So when Peter sees this crazy thing happen on the mountain, he thinks to himself, let's set up camp. Let's stay here, because this is where God is. It's natural. It's even right when something amazing happens, we want to stay there. We want to live in it, build a tradition around it. It's not the wrong reaction. There can be a deep urgency to follow God when things are wrong. But when things are good, it's nice to rest in how God has blessed us. We have good things, so let's build tents and stay here for a while. But the past cannot overwhelm the present. We can't let photo albums lead us to miss what's happening in front of our faces. We can't let our past joy distract us from future possibilities or our contentment to stop us from finding something deeper in Christ. There are things that God has done, and it is good to remember them. But God is also calling us beyond what God has done and into what God wants to do. Peter's mistake in this passage is in thinking that following God is a static position. When you find God, set up camp. Jesus reminds us that being a disciple is not static. 
It's on the move because God is on the move. To be a disciple is by definition to follow, not to think like Jesus or even agree with Jesus, but to follow. When this service ends, I hope you'll pay extra attention. The candles up here and this cross right here will walk out. The candles and the cross. They represent the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And when they walk out at the end of the service, we are reminding ourselves that Jesus and the Spirit have left this building. They came in here for worship, and now they go out there, out these doors. They leave the building. As one pastor says, Jesus is on the loose. So we shouldn't stick around here waiting for the cross and the candles to come back. We should follow them out, follow where Jesus is going next. Because faith is not a static position. It's on the move because God is on the move. You see, sometimes as the church, we get sucked into this false tension. It can feel like there are really only two options. Either we li live faithful to the past, or we keep up with the times. Either we live faithful to the past with the traditions and the things we've always done, or we keep up with the times doing the newest thing. It's a false tension. God is not asking us to live in the past. He asks us to remember it, but not to get stuck there. And God doesn't call us to keep up with the times. He calls us to keep up with Jesus. Here at Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church, we're not going to cut the traditions or the hymns or the things the church has always had. But the reason we won't cut them isn't because we've always done them. It's not because that's just the kind of church we are. It's not even because I might get fired. <laughs> it's because God continues to show up in them. We will not maintain tradition because it feels right. Nostalgia can give us a feeling of calm, a sense of contentment, but nostalgia is not worship. Nostalgia cannot be why we come here. We come here to hear from God. And we also don't gather here hoping to keep up with the times. Honestly, we will never be able to. We don't have the same fame, money, or attraction that Hollywood can put into the next big thing. And even if we could, if people came here because it was fun and engaging and awesome and trendy, and not because they were encountering Jesus, we wouldn't be a church. We'd be an attraction. We don't keep up with the times. We keep up with Jesus. It's funny, right? You can hear the generational divide in this tension. Either we live faithful to the past or we keep up with the times. It's a false tension. As a church, we neither live in the past nor keep up with the times. We simply follow Jesus. I have been asked in recent years why we don't do the Easter sunrise service every Easter. 
I get it. It's one of my favorites. I love the Easter sunrise service. It's this story and Peter's reaction. That's why the first year we did the Easter sunrise service on the mountain, sitting in the backyard of Nigel and Davis's house, overlooking what feels like the entire world, God showed up. Y'all, it was a transfiguration moment. We felt God's presence in the music and in the words and in the atmosphere and in the fellowship. And the very next year, we cut the Easter sunrise service. We felt strongly about following where God was going next and not about setting up camp where we saw God move in the past. You see, the temptation to build a tent is every bit as much a temptation for pastors. When a ministry works, when a service works, you want to keep doing it. It makes people happy. It increases job approval. It's easier. But the year we cut the sunrise service, we put our energy and focus into a Good Friday service. It was the year my husband and I were waiting to adopt. We've been in the process some seven months. Didn't know it at the time, but it would be another six months of waiting. We were waiting on news. We were met by constant disappointment. And in our brokenness, we found God moving in the grief and found this new vision for what Good Friday service might mean, a Good Friday service led by our youth. And if you missed it, it was another one of those transfiguration moments. God was moving, not just in our lives, but in many others in darkness and grief and hurt. So like Peter, we don't set up camp at the sunrise service or the Good Friday service. We try to be faithful to where God is moving now. Before any uprisings this morning, we will continue to have and not have Easter sunrise services. In the same way, we will build on traditions while also trying new things. Because we want to be a church that neither lives in the past nor keeps up with the times. We want to be a church that follows Jesus. I've heard this comment for as long as I've been in ministry, which is longer than any of you guys think. I've done my time. I've done my time. Don't worry, I'm not going to criticize or judge that comment because you're right. Many of you have. You have led the youth, or taught the children, or brought a dish to every single potluck, or whatever it is that you've done your time in. There's truth to that. There are seasons in your life you might teach Sunday school for a time, but then you might serve on the chancel team, and then who knows where God might lead you next. Just because you've done your time doesn't mean God doesn't have something new for you to do now. I get it. It might not be teaching children or staying up for the youth walk-in, my least favorite thing in all the world. But God is asking you to follow him somewhere. 
Because being a disciple is not a static position and the blessings, the abundant peace, the incredible joy of making a difference, the nearness of God's spirit are in the following. The blessings are on the move in the same way that God is. Here's the honest truth. The reason we want people to worship more often than Christmas and Easter isn't because we need their tithe dollars or want to add them to our Sunday numbers. It's because God's blessings come in the present. A nostalgic faith might be enough to maintain traditions, but it is not enough to maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reason we want people to worship more often than Christmas and Easter isn't because we can provide a show as compelling as an Oscar-nominated film or play music like the symphony or preach like Billy Graham. A keeping up with the times faith might be enough to pique interest, but it's not enough to maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason we want people here more, worshiping more, praying more, is because God is doing things now, pouring out blessings now, building the kingdom here, forgiving sins now. The reason we want people here more, worshiping more, praying more, is because the world out there cannot save you. Flashy as it may be. I know it's the end of February, perhaps a little late to be talking about a church goal for the year 2020, but it took us, the session and your leaders, some time to figure out where God is going next. And after long discussion, our hope, our goal for the remainder of 2020 is participation. Yours and mine. Increased participation in worship, in leadership, in choir, in reading or writing liturgy, participation in our food pantry, our tutoring program, our youth and children, participation in our creative worship services, in spiritual practices, in prayer, participation in Bible studies, in Sunday school, participation. Why? Because being a disciple is not a static position. It is following God because God is on the move. Why? Because we neither want to be a church that lives in the past, nor do we want to be a church trying to keep up with the times. Why? Because faith is lived. It is lived. The blessings are not locked away in the past. And they're not on the other side of whatever trend is coming. The blessings are where Jesus is. So that's where we want to be. Our goal is to participate, to join in, to come alongside whatever it is that God is doing. So my challenge to you today is that as the cross and the candles leave this church, as they walk down the center aisle and out into the world, I hope you chase them. Chase them down the center aisle and out into the world. Because at this church, at this church, 
We will continue to go on impactful mission trips to open scripture, to hear God's voice, to find new and old ways to worship, and we will do our best to follow where God is leading. And we want you there. We want you to participate. We want you there. Because it won't be the same without you. It won't be the same without you. Let us pray. Lord, we know the truth of it is that faith is lived. Lord, that it's easier to set up camp and stay in the place where you showed up once. But Lord, you ask us to follow you, to keep moving, to go wherever it is that you go, and to trust that as we follow, you will continue to show up, that we will continue to encounter you. And the more we encounter you, the more you'll lead us into service, into worship, and into prayer. So as a church, Lord, we ask that you would bless the goal that's been set out by the leaders of this church, that you would bless the goal, that you would give us the courage to carry it out, that we would participate in the building of your kingdom here on earth. We pray this in your name. Amen.